This is the Emily Kale Show, ESPNHawaii.com, and I have on the line down in Florida, Dick Marjorie, my longtime friend. Got a phone call from Dick Sunday morning, letting me know that Arnold Palmer had passed away, and we both decided we'd wait a couple of days and do our own personal reflections, and then maybe talk about what we were feeling and observing, and just the, the wonderful unique history that Dick has had for so many years with Arnold Palmer as a longtime golf writer. And so, Dick, thank you for joining me today. You're more than welcome. And we haven't talked. I thought it might be, you know, just interesting and and reflective to when I called you the other day, you said, uh, I think I'd like to wait a couple days and just let my emotions feel feel what I'm feeling. So, um, you want to share with me a little bit and to our listeners, maybe first of all, share some of your background and your long history with Arnold? Well, I, I met Arnold first time back in the mid-60s when I was playing college golf in Pittsburgh. We were up in Latrobe to play a match. Uh, it was a great thrill then because as a Pittsburgh boy, you uh, you looked up to Arnold. He was your hero. And then uh, 10 or so years later, I start working in a newspaper doing sports and uh, you got to got to go to Bay Hill for Arnold's events. You got to see him other places when he came here for golf tournaments. And uh, as Arnold was with so many people, he was very gracious and very kind. And over those years, uh, he and I have shared a lot of breakfasts, a lot of uh, time together on the practice tee or other places. And uh, it was even though I knew this day was coming, you never want to face the reality of it. Uh, especially when it's somebody you've admired for so many years. And so when Monday came, it seemed to hit me harder Monday, the reality of it, uh, than I expected. Uh, But Arnold had been sick for uh, declining health, let's say, for two years, maybe two and a half years. And uh, it seemed like one thing has happened so many times. When one thing goes, it starts affecting other parts of your your anatomy and it finally got to the point where his body just couldn't handle it anymore uh, he was going into the hospital for a procedure to have a leaky heart valve replaced Monday three days two days ago and uh, from what I understand his heart was just so weak that uh, the strain just finally got to him and he passed away well you having met Arnold back in the 19th 19- 60s, did you say it was? Mid-60s, yeah. Mid-60s. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that it's such an interesting story of Arnold. His father was, what, the green superintendent at a golf course, the one that Arnold later bought. But he he brought his kids up reminding him they weren't members. They were, you know, the sons and daughters of an employee at that golf course. And just, you know, he's from such a working-class background. And Talk a little bit about, you know, as you were growing up, how, how you saw him, because most of us saw him. It wasn't until later years I really learned about his background. I just always saw him as Arnold Palmer from back in the 1950s, actually, when he played around Detroit area when I was growing up as a junior golfer. But uh, talk about that background with his family and and uh, how he carried that. You know, that's what the Army's Army loves so much. Well, you know, I've spent a lot of time and did a lot of pieces on Arnold over the years, and and I was doing something for the father-son challenge one year when it was in Orlando, and uh, 
was basically about the hospital, the Arnold Palmer uh, Hospital, Children's Hospital, and the Winnie Palmer Hospital over in Orlando now. And in the course of talking about it, and, and at many other times during the, the, all those years that I spent with Arnold, we would talk about how Deke uh, and Doris Palmer raised Arnold. Uh, you have to understand Arnold was born in 1929, September of 29, in the Depression years, and things were tough. I mean, there wasn't much uh, available work-wise for many people. Arnold's father, Deke, worked as the Green's greenkeeper in at La Trobe uh, during the day. At night, he used to work in the steel mills around La Trobe when there were steel mills still there. And so it was a hard life to make just to make ends meet. And uh, Arnold was always told by Deke, who was a very strict disciplinarian, uh, very hard on Arnold a lot of ways, uh, that he was never the privileged, even though his dad was uh, the soup, uh, superintendent at Latrobe Country Club. Arnold was never, never a member until he bought it many, many, many years later. Uh, so it was, Deke was a very difficult father at the time. You have to understand that that part of Western Pennsylvania, people were, uh, people were very strong, and parenting was a different situation than what it is today. Uh, he taught Arnold right from wrong. Doris, his Arnold's mother, was someone who was very loving and very caring in uh, a way with her her uh, her son, and she was the positive reinforcement. And Deke was the uh, I won't say negative reinforcement, but he was very very strict with Arnold for a lot of different things, but not just about golf. So that kind of mentality of people in that time and in that place was not uncommon. Uh, Arnold, can, I can always remember Arnold telling me that they raised chickens and things like that on the, on the, the house that they lived in to make ends meet uh, at times uh, during those Depression years, uh, right after he was born and for probably a decade later until the Depression ended. So, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a silver spoon life by any means that Arnold was brought up under, uh, and I think that carried through not only Arnold's life, but a lot of the things that he did and how he treated people. No, no question. And, and you know, Golf Channel has done such a wonderful job the last few days of of celebrating Arnold's life. Of course, they've done that for years because Arnold Palmer was one of the founders of the Golf Channel way back, what about twenty some years ago with a. Joe Gibbs, not the Washington Redskins, Joe Gibbs, but I had the pleasure of meeting Joe when he would come play in the pro-am for the Montalani Senior Skins, and you and I have often talked about how blessed you, you've been around Arnold so much, but I, it's only in recent times I've realized how blessed I was to be so close to Arnold and Jack and everybody that came to play in the Montalani Senior Skins back in the 90s, and then when I met you, and uh, what, 20 years ago at the NASCAR Championship, now the Mitsubishi Electric Championship, and while well, Arnold was actually playing in that event, and, and there's so many things that he he started the senior tour. I, I remember, it's only been with reflection of the Golf Channel, that I realized how much of a mentor he's been for me. Back in the 50s, I remember seeing Arnold around the um, Grosville Golf and Country Club, where I grew up playing junior golf and worked at the golf course. And I never knew why till recent years. He actually, uh, when he dropped out of Wake Forest, and maybe you can tell that story about his best friend, but when he dropped out, he went into the Coast Guard, and he ended up at Toledo, right near where I lived. 
so he spent a lot of time around Detroit area, and it was in the 1954 U.S. Amateur. 54 when he won the Amateur at the Country Club yeah. of Detroit, I guess Club it is. Detroit. And I, I remember those days, but I never made the really connection of why I why he would be around Detroit or why he and winning that tournament. I think I, I once told you I met the, uh, the relative of the person who he beat, uh, Sweeney, Bob Sweeney, I think he was, he beat mm-hmm. at the Country Club of Detroit. So tell a little bit of the story of how he started playing with uh, Wake Forest uh, College and his best friend and losing his best friend and meeting Winnie. And I'm sure you, you know, you've heard Winnie, Arnold tell the story. I just heard it told on Golf Channel, but can you share some of that? Sure. I mean, Arnold went to Wake Forest on a scholarship. He had played at uh, he played in the Coast Guard a lot. He'd won the '54 Amateur at the Country Club of Detroit, like we said. And in a lot of the conversations I had with Arnold over the years, I would ask him, "What's the most important thing you've won?" And and strangely enough, he would always say that U.S. Amateur in Detroit. And I would ask him why, and he would say, "Well, it proved to me that I could play at a professional level." And that kind of propelled his career, to, you know, to, to go to the PGA Tour at the time. Uh, had a had a Masters win four years after he turned pro, uh, and had all the success in the world, and never changed. Never has changed from the first day I met him until the last day I talked to him. So uh, it, it says a lot about the way he was raised at the time. It also says a lot about him. And you've seen this yourself, how he is with people, how he dealt, dealt with all the people and all the, the demands on his time, always gave of his time freely. Uh, and, you know, I would sit sometimes and wonder how could he do it for that many years and be that gracious because you don't see that in profession, professional athletes these days. I mean, probably the only person I've ever seen somewhat near that is Wayne Gretzky, the great hockey player. But... Uh, it was it was just interesting to see that how Arnold viewed things and how humble he remained through all that stuff. So uh, as much time as I spent with him in as many different places, it was uh, it was I was honored to be a friend, and, I, and I'm sure a lot of people felt the same way. Well, the, I love the story that he um, he was I don't know how he happened to be playing in the tournament, but he was checking in to Swanee or some tournament. And, Two ladies walked down the stairs, and he had, happened to have sort of an eye for one of them. She seemed to like him, too, and it was Winnie Palmer, and I think that was on a Wednesday, and by Saturday he had proposed. Or <laughs> yeah, it's Shawnee on the uh, Delaware, yeah, in eastern Pennsylvania. Two different lifestyles, him from a working class, she from a maybe a future debutante. And, uh, yeah, he was, you know, uh, it, it was, her father was not real happy with this at first, and uh Arnold, because basically they were going to drag one of those Airstream trailers around the country then driving from place to place to, for him to play golf and her to be a tour wife at that time. So it was it was a different lifestyle than she'd ever accom- uh, been accomplished to or, you know, a different uh, used to. Uh, but, you know, they made it work for so many years until she passed away of uh, ovarian cancer. And I, she was at the uh, Senior Skins, I think it was 1998. I, I got a wonderful picture of the two of them. Everybody was out on the first tee, and they were the last to leave the uh, gallery restaurant at the time there at the Montelani Clubhouse. And I always thank Buster Bustamante, who was the director of golf at the time, and 
Barry Frank, one of the founders of what ESPN, and I guess when they created yep. the senior skins, and Chuck Gerber, because they they allowed me to have a camera with me and kind of gave me access to a lot. But I got a wonderful picture of the two of them, and it's only with the passage of time hearing his grandson Sam Saunders, who was like six years old when he would be here for the senior skins, and Amy Saunders, who would always be walking the course with Barb Nicholas you know, doing the senior skins, reflect on what a wonderful supporter uh, Winnie was, how she kept it all together for Arnold, and, and how Arnold, too, over the years would, would talk about how Winnie was always out there following him and just, uh, you know, knew what he needed to be able to do, and just uh, some reflections on that. And, of course, Sam Saunders has been such a wonderful spokesperson this, this uh, past couple of days to see how he's evolved into the role that he accepts now not to be the great PGA Tour player, although he's doing, you know, he's out there on the tour and he earned his way, his way there, but he really accepts that role now of uh, carrying on the Iron Palmer legacy. So some comments about Sam and watched him grow up. The interesting part, I guess, in, in the early years when they were, when Arnold and Winnie were still out on tour and fairly newlyweds, she used to handle all his arrangements, all his business parts of it. After a point, it got so big that, you know, it was too complicated for her to handle all his, his arrangements, and that's when he got involved with IMG. But she would always be on the golf course with him for a long time, and then after a while, she just got tired of the travel, uh, like so many wives do. And, of course, Arnold was traveling all over the world most of his life. Uh, so she went some places, but tournament golf, she kind of passed on after a while. Uh, she liked to be at home. She didn't like to be sitting around a golf club with uh, waiting for a golf tournament to start and or finish, you know. And uh, it was it was interesting. I, I can always remember standing back on a putting green at Silverado in Napa Valley in 1998, I guess it was, when he got the news that she had was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. This would have been October and. And a year later, she was gone. But he was, he was devastated. I mean, he—you could just see it in his face. It was like he lost that twinkle in his eye that he had for so long a time. And uh, this was a couple years after he had had his own battle with prostate cancer and had come through that fine. But uh, that really, it really, really affected him deeply when she uh, was diagnosed with the ovarian cancer and passed away. So uh, it was, a, it was a hard time for him. He always had Sam. You know, Sam was around because uh, Sam went to high school in Orlando and played college, uh, played golf there before he went to college to play golf. And it was it was interesting to talk to Arnold at those times when Sam was still in high school. And because Arnold, as many grandparents do, tried to give advice to his grandson about golf and life and how to treat people and. We've seen how well Sam learned those lessons these last few days, and that had to be hard on him to to stand up and in front of the public and talk about his grandfather in past tense. But Arnold always had, I would just say, differences of agreement with Amy over some things that were in the best interest of what he thought were in the best interests of Sam, and we never got into specifics. But uh, I. I gathered from his conversation that they didn't agree on everything that was being done with Sam and his golf career at that point. Uh, it was funny. It was. It's so normal now to see, because I'm in that kind of position with a granddaughter, you know, and you have to just kind of sit back and say, okay, I'm not his parents, 
and you let them, you let them, the parents raise the child. But uh, Arnold's very strong. He was a very strong personality, and uh, especially when it came to golf and things, all things related to golf. So it was, it was interesting to talk to him about Sam and see Sam and see how Sam progressed to this point. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing. What a what a great spokesperson he has has been of recent and will continue to be. And you know, Arnold Palmer wasn't always the Arnold Palmer Enterprises, right? So uh, back back ways a long ways back, a gentleman by the name of uh, Mark McCormick. Apparently, they had met when they were at Wake Forest or in in, the, in college days. And Mark McCormick came up and said, "I'm I formed a management company and I've got four or five people and." And Arnold said something like, well, if you want to just have one, you know, you let me know. And apparently within the next year or something, Mark McCormick came to him and said, I would like to do that. So a little bit about uh, that, that relationship that lasted over 60 years, you know, over a handshake. And and uh, I, I was always fascinated by that. I mean, as a kid, following that, that relationship and Arnold being uh, – Put out there not as a golfer, but as an ambassador from everything from Pennzoil to Office Max or Office Depot, where everything that he he endorsed and, and how that was all created. Arnold uh, got to the point. The business got to the point. His his marketability got to a point that uh, it was too big for Winnie as a, to handle, as I said. So they went to Mark. And Arnold's, if you knew Arnold, he was a very loyal person. His handshake was his word. And that's basically how he, Mark McCormick, started. In later years, they uh, they eventually, Arnold had a piece of IMG, uh, which is the company that they founded. So that evolved into more than a friendship. Uh, I was with Arnold someplace, and I can't even remember where, he, where we were when he got news from Betsy Nagelson, who was Mark McCormick's wife, that Mark had passed away. And that affected Arnold greatly. The partnership lasted so long with IMG and continues to this day that Forbes, in its latest uh, amount of uh, worth, net worth of athletes, estimated Arnold's value, his, his empire, is worth $835 million. So it's come a long way from uh, a small, small start of a company to uh, – a very great and large company that includes Bay Hill Club. He owns a piece of Pebble Beach. Uh, there are so many things and so many places that he uh, blazed trails for other athletes and other sports to market themselves and earn uh, large amounts of money doing so. So it, uh, in a lot of ways, it wasn't just the golf that was uh, was his uh, marquee uh, for people and popularity, but it also was the marketing he gave uh, so many others to earn money outside of the games that they were playing. And meanwhile, and this is the part I always love watching because I can remember, um, I think it was Joe Dye, it was the first, was he the first? Because the, the PGA Tour was part of the uh, PGA of America, and it was Arnold Palmer who felt, you know, along with Jack Nicklaus, that they controlled too much, the players didn't have enough involvement, and he, he was instrumental in creating the PGA Tour. I remember that with Dean Beeman so well, and I've been hearing names on a golf channel all week, like Leo Fraser was the president of, of the PGA of America time, and I, I knew Leo. I was friends with Leo. Somehow I was always weaving myself into the – Warren Orlick from Detroit was also on the board at that time. Right. And in, in hindsight now I realize why I, why I had interest in that because so many people had except kind of taken interest in my golf, but I had taken interest in sort of the business of golf at the time. So Arnold was really instrumental in creating the PGA Tour, where they were 
the, the purses they were playing for, the money wasn't going back into the PGA of America. So talk a little bit about that. Him creating, I think it was the Legends, the original senior tour was the Legends. I remember it played here in Hawaii, you know, way, way before the senior tour. So that whole uh, impact that he had in creating what has what we know of today is the PGA Tour, the Champions Tour, and everything. Well, there was a time when the PGA of America dictated everything. There was no such thing as a PGA Tour. PGA Tour obviously was a conglomeration of club pros and a small number of professionals because there weren't the numbers then that there are today. And Arnold, of course, being Arnold, had, had the marquee value. He had the power, if you want to call it that. He had the ability to take a group of players, get them together and say, we need to go our own direction because we need to be able to do our own thing with gathering tournaments, playing tournaments, purses, and everything else. And that's when Joe Dye became the first commissioner uh, of the what was now is now the PGA Tour. Uh, that was in the late 60s, maybe, early 70s. 68, I think, 1968 or so. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, that evolved into Dean Beeman's uh, tenure as the commissioner for 25 or 30 years. He did a wonderful job making players uh, money, getting sponsors and keeping them happy, and then finding the value in that sponsorships of and uh, being involved with golf. And then it fell to Tim Fincham, who's now been there 20 or 25 years, and uh, he's ready to leave and do other things as well. So it it, it evolved into such a quick uh, growth, aided by television, aided by Arnold Palmer, who was very photogenic, very you know very muscular, very good with TV cameras, and uh, it went from there. And of course, he created the the, the senior tour, was instrumental, and the guys coming off the PGA tour and and maybe doing exhibition matches and stuff, and creating a, a tour that actually I, I can't remember the figure I heard the other night about how many millions they're playing for this year. This the uh, uh, Champions Tour, which has gone through the evolution of the Legends Tour to the Senior Tour, and now the Champions Tour, rightfully so. So well, that's kind of pretty phenomenal. Interesting thing. part of interesting part of that is initially the Senior Tour when it started was. The minimum age was 55. And when Arnold turned 50, because they saw the value of Arnold playing over 50 golf, the PGA Tour changed the age, lowered the age to 50, so that they could take advantage of Arnold and Gary and Jack and Trevino would come along and play at an earlier age. Uh, You know, there were a lot of guys that... uh, Really, the early years of the senior tour were interesting because you got a lot of characters. You got guys who used to be steel workers. You got guys who used to be club pros. You got guys who used to be bowling alley proprietors that could play, you know. And, and Arnold certainly was a marquee name. And those early years when Arnold, Jack, and Gary played any place, the crowds were phenomenal. I mean, here in Tampa, we had we had crowds that were thirty, forty thousand to watch Arnold, Gary, and Jack play, and. uh People would always go see Arnold because Arnold was kind to people. He would always look people in the eye. He would shake their hand. You know, he was uh, he was a, a promoter without actually being a promoter, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It was, just his, it was just his human nature to be kind to people because that's the way he was raised, and that was due a lot to the bringing in Western Pennsylvania. 
Well, he, uh, you know, the year he won his last win at the Monolan Eastern Year Skins, I mean, the, the, the place didn't empty out for hours, everybody hung around, including Arnold, and uh, just a, a joyous occasion, you know, the, the festive atmosphere that he brought, uh, win or lose, but most of all when he won, and we were all so lucky to be able to, you know, spend such, I say we all, as the spectators, the volunteers, the media, everybody, because there's so few people over here, particularly in those early years, and it was such a up close and personal experience uh, every year with Arnold and Jack and then Raymond Floyd and Trevino and Chi Chi and Jim Colbert, who else, Tom Watson. But uh, Arnold was always, you know, whether it was the press conference or out on the practice tee or, you know, the, all of the guys playing in their shorts on the Monday before. I remember that's when Mark Rolfe really kind of came on the scene. He spent a lot of time with Arnold. And that you know, was at the Montelani Senior Skins. I first met Mark, and I remember watching how well he and Arnold got along. There was a, Arnold did a lot for a lot of people's careers, didn't he? He did, and he did a lot for everybody. I mean, I've always thought, and, I, and more so now in the last three or four days, that probably anybody who met Arnold, Arnold considered him a friend or her a friend. And uh, he was kind to everybody. And, uh, you know, that, that came back to him in a lot of different ways. I mean, the hospital that he built for he and Winnie, the two of the hospitals in Orlando, or have been devastated by the loss by his death on Sunday. And uh, you know he's left a, he's left a legacy of more than just being an athlete. He's left a legacy of great humanity in the hospitals here in Orlando, Florida, and they're building a hospital in Latrobe the same way, a children's hospital as well, from what I understand. So his, his legacy will live on long after the Gulf. Well, I made that trip down to Orlando. In fact, I had dinner with you and Debbie on one of the nights I was down there. And uh, I can't remember if I was, you know, trying to you know, play a golf tournament. You know, I get back into the game, and I aspired to get back into the game because of Arnold and his partner, Ed Shea, who built Hakuna Golf Course, and they spent a lot of time over here. And it was really nice to be able to spend time around them, and that's what inspired me to take my 1960 aspirations to be an LPGA player, which was totally far-fetched, but I did give it a try. But uh, after 20 years of uh, not playing, I remember telling Ed Say on the day that Arnold won the Montelani Seniors, because I'm going to start playing golf again, and Buster Bustamante gave me a set of rental clubs to start hitting balls with. And anyway, I became a, more of a, almost like a warrior. I had a crush on Arnold. There was no question, you know, you, it's hard not to have a, a crush on his energy and his rapport and his it's just watching how he operated, and I had really gotten to know about Children's Hospital from Arnold when he would talk about it at the Senior Skins and reading about it. So I came down there. I believe we had dinner my first night I was there. and we went over to uh, Bay Hill and, you know, went into the dining room and had a coffee, walked up the stairs into Arnold's office, and I never knew who Alistair, um, uh, what is Alistair's, Alistair uh, Alistair Johnson. Johnson. For years at the senior skins, he would be there and so close to Arnold all the time. But they were always very nice to me, I, I thought, and, but never had a conversation with Alistair. I don't think he had conversations with a lot of people other than their, their little circle, but always had a nice aura to him. But when I watched him yesterday on, on Golf Channel doing the press conference and, you know, being a spokesperson for the, the Palmer family and realizing how many years I could just, I could see it on his face, you know, the, the, just 
all the emotions he had. I, I thought it was a beautiful uh, display of a relationship over the years. It was personal and in business and with the family. And he talked about how um, Arnold, they knew at the Masters when he wasn't able to do the opening shot, that that was the beginning of the end. So that they've had some, some time to, you know, think about things as and representing the family. But I thought uh, uh, Alistair, he said his image of Arnold Palmer, he's just so authentic, a blue-collar attitude, his ability to relate to people, his identification ideals, never really a winner perceived as someone who dragged himself up. Not, not really right off the bat, wasn't a winner, you know, with the money and everything else. Yeah. And he talks about Doc Griffin, the gentleman who had been in the media that became an assistant to to Arnold at a certain point when you were talking about it was too much for Winnie. So you saw the evolution of not only those relationships as uh, business, but also personal. And so just some comments, you know, in, in terms of how they have really honored what I think uh, Arnold was always trying to do every day of his life. Well, and I, I too was struck by watching Alistair Johnson, who uh, is – very closed mouth is very private uh is very protective of arnold all has been very protective of arnold all those years uh not just from a business standpoint but it became you know they became very close friends and doc giffen was the same way i know doc very well and i felt really bad for doc on monday because he had to deal with all this as arnold's uh, media rep and uh they were they were all very close to Arnold. It's interesting, you know, and it's easy to say this in retrospective, but I was sitting thinking about all this stuff on Monday, and I go back to the 2015 World Golf Hall of Fame induction to St. Andrews, and that's the year that my good friend David Graham was inducted. When David came back, he, he called me, and he said, you're not going to believe this. He says, I was so honored to have Arnold at St. Andrews, he said, but it, it was such a long trip, I didn't expect him to come. And what David surmised after that was that, as Arnold has done before at Oakmont uh, in the 94 Open, that Arnold went back to St. Andrews for one last time to look around, to recall memories, to remember the good times he's had and all the people he's met at St. Andrews. That's just one part of it. This past year at uh, the Masters. We all saw how frail he was and how his health had been declining. There isn't many people that know this, and I've had it confirmed by two other people. On Wednesday night, before the opening ceremonies on Thursday, Arnold was taken down to Amen Corner by one of the members. This was at twilight. The golf course was closed. Uh, the par three contest was over. And this member at the uh, at the uh, request of Chairman Payne supposedly just let Arnold sit there and look at Amen Corner. And there aren't many people I would have liked to have been in that brain to see what was going on because it had it was very emotional from what I was told after the fact uh, that Arnold uh, wanted to see Amen Corner for one last time. Mm. Uh, so it, it's you know these things are easy to look at afterward and figure out why. But at the time, you just figure it's it's just a sentimental thing. But uh, there was more of a purpose with that. And as I said, his health had been declining for oh, a couple years, but really s severely in the last six months. So uh, I suspect that his body was failing him. 
he knew it was gonna it was gonna not end well, and so he made his last pilgrimages to St Andrews, and if you remember, he had to take two or three weeks off because he was just so physically exhausted from the jet flight from his own jet flight over to St Andrews and back uh, from doing some other uh, endorsement things. So it was it was very much appreciated by David Graham, and the the, the incident at the Masters this year was probably just heart wrenching for him and those who had to go through it with him. So it uh, it was uh, uh, hard to figure out at the time, but it makes so much sense now. Yeah, and I remember you talking about that with David Graham and the the fact that it wasn't St Andrews and talked to would Arnold be able to make it that he had expressed wanting to go, you know, on a your friend, his friend, and others, and also his history there. So that was that was pretty cool. But I think from a, a you know not so much a hindsight. I remember you and I would talk about it a lot. There were going to be a lot of last times for Arnold over the next year. As, you know, we started talking about that about that time. So two things that really stick in my mind. One is the accessibility of Arnold. Uh, you know, everybody tells their story of how, how Arnold walked up to him or whatever. I mean, I had so many occasions over the years. You know, just to being part of the media and a fan and just uh, being around, you know, Hapuna when they were building it and that say. And, but to be able to go to Bay Hill and walk up those stairs and everybody talks about it because always I walked right up the stairs. And um, and like you said, uh, Alistair Johnson always very, you know, tight-lipped and everything. But, but still, even even he was able to sort of extend a a friendly son, they, they lined up for me to go to, over to the Children's Hospital and see the work that Arnold was done. I'm looking forward. I'm going to go through my old picture. That was before digital, so I have lots of things and, and three, you know, four by six photographs and stuff. But I'm so glad that I did see a lot of that part of Arnold's life. And also his relationship with Jack. I loved their friendship. They were so much fun together. And Gary and, you know, being part of that senior tour and watching it. But I'm just... Wondering how you how you're feeling now. I mean, like, is it more celebrating uh, the wonderful times you had with Arnold? I mean, I that's what I'm feeling. It's just uh, how blessed for every one of us, whether it was a moment somebody had on the fairway, or you know, get to spend a little more time meeting him in his plane when he would come here to the senior skins, and you wrote so many one-on-one stories with Arnold. So what do you, you feel about think- celebrating his life? I think what's interesting is, and you saw it yourself, you walk up those stairs inside the clubhouse to his office, and you walk in his office, and he's surrounded by memorabilia, that he would always sit there, and at least with me he did, and I'm sure he did with everybody else. He would sit there and do interviews, but he was also sitting there signing autographs for things that people had sent him. He always signed everything personally. He was never signed by a secretary. He was never signed by a uh, a pen that you know was a mechanical pen. It was everything was always signed. Uh, the other thing is, you and I and anybody who ran across Arnold in a professional capacity would sit and figure how lucky we are to have been in that position, and how many other people would have given their right arm to be in that position to sit down and talk with them, to have lunch with them, have have a drink with them, have whatever, have dinner, uh, and it's. Those kinds of things that you think about more now since he's passed and how lucky you were to have that much time with him. And and that's that's the special meaning of being able to say, you know, I appreciate what you've done for me. I sent a, I sent a, a short email to Doc Giffen, uh, his PR guy, who I've known for as long as I've known Arnold, 
just telling him that I was sending my condolences because I know how hard the days ahead would be for Doc. Doc's about Arnold's age. I think he's one year younger than Arnold. But they spent, I mean, they were like brothers at this point after 40 or 50 or 60 years. Uh, so it has to be a difficult time for Alistair and obviously the Palmer family, but the people that were around Arnold for so many years, like us, you know, that that saw him in many different states. You were there when he, he married Kit uh, at the golf course there at Hualalai. Uh, so, you know, you you have different memories than I have, but all those memories are pretty special now you don't think about it at the time but when something like this happens it uh, brings back a lot of different ones well you you mentioned kit and I, that was another memory i was going to say was the year that he uh you know really kind of became public with kit being in his life and when they started walking down the uh cart paths holding hands yeah. <laughs> and then they did get married that weekend but i just thought it was wonderful you could just see you know he went from as you said pretty depressed when when he passed away and for a couple of years, and I don't know how long it was, but it was nothing. You noticed that he wasn't the same Arnold Palmer, and then she brought a real, you know, spring in his step, and that that was sweet to see. So I'm sure this is a hard was, time it was for inter- her as well. It was interesting because I hadn't been around the second Mrs. Palmer very often. He played his last USGA event, which was the Senior Open at Dayton, uh, and this is ten, twelve years ago now right after a couple of years after he married her and we sat down he and i and her sat down at lunch and i was doing a piece for golf week at the time about his last senior his last usga event which he held very high esteem any usga event and i could see sitting across the, next to him he was on my left and mrs palmer was on my on across the way and i can they're holding hands and i could just see in his eyes and i could see in her eyes how special it was for them the second time around, yeah, and that yeah. convinced me. That convinced me that he'd done the right thing, you know. Yeah, it was. I mean, that, it was real obvious that year that he became kind of public about it. But well, it's it's pretty special, and Dick, uh, your friendship has been pretty special. You know, way back there in what nineteen whatever it was, twenty years ago at the first Mastercard Championship, and it's been fun to watch your relationship with many of those people. Yeah, like uh, a buddy said to me, it's like having one chapter close on your life. You know, it's a special chapter, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm so, I'm feeling so grateful, and you know, really getting the Detroit connection to Arnold. You know, where my real access to him happens here. But, but when I was growing up, as I say, I saw him, you know, as a junior golfer, and I think he played in a local Invitational, and then he, of course, went in in Country Club in Detroit, and I. I played in a junior golf program that would take us to those clubs, and and it was always part of the history, but I never really weaved it all in to uh, how how tidy in he was to the, the Detroit area, and he he still has kind of an affinity for it, I think. But uh, he he was every everybody kind of adopted him as as uh, their person, like here on the Big Island with him building and everything, constructing the Puna Golf Course. That was just such a such a nice uh, testimonial to his energy when, when yeah. they opened up the Puna Golf Course because he would he would work on it and he'd be in his Bermuda shorts over there on the day after the seniors' kids. He and Ed say and a couple words about Ed say because really Arnold is known for his golf course design, but there's so many people that have had, been partners with Arnold that have also been a part of his wonderful energy. 
you know, Ed was Ed was a tough guy. He was an ex-Marine. He'd had both of his lungs removed from surgery because of cancer, uh, mostly from his smoking. But he also was very – he was around Arnold all the time with the plans and the, the building of all the 300 or so golf courses that uh, they built together around the world. So they were pretty much uh, inseparable when Arnold wasn't playing tournament golf. And even then, Arnold would have Ed around with him quite a bit. So uh, – there was a great partnership that they formed. I don't exactly know how it happened, but it worked pretty well for uh, a lot of golf courses and a lot of clients around the world. And it was fun delightful that, uh, as was always here during the senior scans, it just had a wonderful energy. The two of them were, you know, acknowledging people and being able to keep that path of accessibility open, you know, to Arnold. It was, it was pretty cool. So, Audrey. Yeah, just to remind everybody, we're talking with uh, Dick Mudry, my longtime friend. He's a longtime golf writer and, and did the copy for the Masters Annual for, what, what 10, 10 years, Dick, anyway, you did that? Uh, yes, ma'am. And what, what a beautiful, uh, the Masters Annual, and and I always look forward to giving that every year from Dick. But so many wonderful one-on-one stories, and as you said, this is just, you know, a chapter closing, but at the same time, time the beginning because as you reflect on everything I have a feeling I'm going to read some nice stories about what, what you're reflecting on but uh, yeah you've had a, a big been a part of a lot of the, the players lives that have affected all of us that love the game of golf fun well you know the the good part of it Emily as you know is it's more it's more not about the golf and about the person and their families and how they are and how well they're doing uh, you, you get to a point where you're concerned about them and you worry about them and you're happy for them uh, and that was the case with Arnold as well as a lot of other players that we've all passed through our lives so those are what that's what you remember the, the special moments not the golf yeah well it's a wonderful sport to be engaged in as most sports are you know you love baseball and this is the season but we'll save that for another conversation over the next couple of weeks uh, baseball on the, the Ryder Cup but today is uh Nice time to reflect on how blessed we're to be in the in the presence of Arnold Palmer as, as, as much as we were and, and from, from afar or close by. And Dick, same with being around you. I really appreciate your your friendship and uh, all the, the long time the mentorship in many ways. So, much aloha. Thanks for taking the time today. Much aloha to you too, Emily. The Emily T. Gale Show, ESPNHawaii.com. Well, as I reflect, which I will for days on end regarding Arnold's passing. I just am amazed to recall what a what a silent mentor he was in so many ways. Uh, even when I first started watching TV when they would broadcast the uh, matches between Arnie and whoever, or of course the first big three of golf was played at Mauna Kea. I believe that was the very first one with Arnold, Gary, and Jack and the whole format and other matches that were played and where they would hand the microphone to each other. And I realized my whole style of how I report is really born out of, of uh, the way Arnold did it back in the early days of TV. Arnold, and he was the leader in that regard because he was so photogenic and everything that TV was just coming on and so was Arnold, but he parlayed that into him being a part of not just a golfer, but the, the broadcasting, every aspect of it. And I just see his whole style, um, even at the press conference, I have hours and hours of videotape from those days 
back when uh, Chuck Gerber and Barry Frank, who created the, the senior skins, Chuck was the producer, and they were very protective of any cameras being out on the course. It was an ABC event. It was always shown before the Super Bowl. And they let me have a camera, a video camera out there. I was just in my early days of doing public access TV. It wasn't digital. It was analog. And Arnold and all of them were always so patient with me because I always had a camera going. And, um, you know, mostly really finding out from the fans and spectators just what a thrill it was to have Arnold there every year at the Montelani Resort playing the Montelani Senior Skins. And we enjoyed the other players, but there was nothing like having Arnie on scene all the time. So there's just so many ways in which I I followed how he did things. When he talked about going to have the golf channel, that would he would talk about that at the press conferences in the early days of the senior skins, and you know it never it didn't quite pick up on on the cable venues the way they thought it would be as far as being packages basic cable. So it had a slow start as far as getting viewership, and and his partner, Joe Gibbs, Joe came uh, to play in the Pro-Am one year, as did Russ Myers, who was the president of Cessna. I believe that's all Arnold's ever flown is Cessna planes, and his friends were, they were just couldn't have been nicer to me. Joe, you know, taking time for an interview, Russ Myers remembering my name. Um, it was just, it was amazing to have the opportunity that I did to be around Arnold and his family, not close up, but in an in a interesting way because the setting here was so intimate with the Montelani senior skins. In those days, not a lot of people following the event. It was today, it would be totally different. But how fortunate. If it had been on the mainland, I would have never had any of that access. I, I wouldn't even have the, had the access with a, with a camera the way I did back in those days because I was one of the only ones doing it. Um, it from a from a personal, you know, I just want to get this on camera aspect. And I just, I don't know, I, I feel how grateful I am. Dick Mudry for years used to say to me I had to dig up a lot of that video and send it off to Arnold, which I never did. But um, I'm sure I'll dig up some of it now. But just uh, very grateful for for all that I learned by watching him, and uh, just really happy for the the Saunders family that they seem to be in a, a place where you know, a, a real acceptance and sharing this with the with the public, and that part to me is just so magnanimous. I guess would be the word, just so gracious and. And graceful in how the the Palmer family is handling the loss of Arnold and letting everybody share in the the, the celebration of his life. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig into old archives. I was just thinking here, the first time I ever wrote a story online was for Sports Illustrated Online. And I would not have been able to write that story if it hadn't been that they wanted something about Arnold Palmer from the Montelani Senior Skins. So I think I wrote something about Arnold and Gary and Jack, three separate stories that ran three separate days, the early days of online. 
But I remember I was thrilled to be doing that for Sports Illustrated, but it would not have happened if I hadn't had that interest in Arnold Palmer. And somehow, I guess I, like so many of us, riding on his uh, coattails in little tiny ways, but also just in uh, loving the game of golf. I'm a real traditionalist, and I think I picked up a lot of that from Arnold. Uh, I love the traditions of the game. And Well, enough said. It's just uh, I'm so very grateful. Actually, I think back in the 60s, I was trying to play on the LPGA Tour, and I hung out at the PGA course down in Florida. And and all the times there might have been opportunity to be around Arnold, like at the Durrell and places like that, but it was just so massive. And even then, there were lots of fans. So the contrast of what we were able, all of us as fans, spectators, media, here on the Big Island, so grateful to both Hualalai Resort for creating the MasterCard Championship or hosting it, the Mitsubishi Electric Championship at Hualalai now, because not just Arnold, but Jack, Gary, Lee, uh, so many of those, uh, those players of, of the past, Hale Irwin, Raymond Floyd, that we, we got to be around, Tom Watson, and still continue to, you know, the, the, the great players that come up to the game. So every one of them has a little piece of history and some way of worked their way into my consciousness, but no one like like Arnold Palmer, so I'm very grateful to be able to share stories about him and, and just sit and reflect, and I'm going to go through some boxes of pictures I have, and um, it's, it's uh, going to be a, a real celebration of what he contributed to my life and to everybody's across the world, really, really neat. I'm glad to have a chance to talk about it here on the Emily T. Gale Show and ESPN, Hawaii.com.